0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Our Bible study tonight is Psalm 71. This psalm has no title in Hebrew. However, according to the Septuagint and the Vulgate, the title is a psalm of David, of the sons of Jonadab, and of the first captives. So, the authorship of the Son and the dead according to the Hebrew, because there is no title, then there is no name, but according to the Septuagint and many commentators believe that David is the author of this psalm. And the psalm is his prayer and trust in God in his latter days, when he aged under the crisis of the rebellion of Absalom, his son. Both the subject and style show it is written by David. The subject of the psalm and the style also of the psalm say that the author of this psalm is David the prophet. Other attributed This song to Jeremiah, but there is no strong evidence. The resemblance between this song and Jeremiah's writing has led many critiques to ascribe it to that prophet. For example, the assumption was made by the fact that it is in great part an adaptation of other Psalms. So this Psalm actually is quotation from many other Psalms like Psalm 22, 31, 35, and 40. And in the writing of Jeremiah, we find that depending on all the writings is a very prominent features in Jeremiah. But according to the situation, the author is David. And to whom it was written. The title includes Jonadab, who was a priest of God, who had commanded his sons not to drink wine and not to dwell in houses but in tents, and that they found great favor with the Lord for their obedience in these respects. As we said in the title, it said, of the sons of Jonadab. You can read the story of Jonadab and his sons, the children of Rechab in the book of Jeremiah. So, Saint Augustine comments on what's written in the title of the sons of Jonadab and says, now the Lord had not commanded this, the Lord did not command them not to dwell in houses but to dwell in tents, not to plant vineyards, but their own father. But they so received it, as though it was a commandment from the Lord their God. For even though the Lord had not commanded that they should drink no wine and should dwell in tents, yet the Lord had commanded that sons should obey their father. In this case alone, in this case alone, a son ought not to obey his father, if the father should have commanded him contrary to the Lord God. So God blessed the sons of Jonadab because of their obedience and thrust them in the teeth of his disobedient uh, people, reproaching them because while the sons of Jonadab were obedient to their father, they obeyed not their God. So what St. Augustine is saying is, these commandments are not commands from God, but command from their father. And in spite of this, he obeyed their father, because God commanded us to obey our parents. So God actually commended them for their obedience and took them as an example, and rebuked the children of Israel who did not obey the commandment of God St. Augustine also explained why they are mentioned in the title of the sons of Janadab and he said, but while Jeremiah was treating of these topics, he had this object in regard to the people of Israel that they should prepare themselves to be led for captivity into Babylon and should not hope for any other thing but that they were to be captive the title then of this psalm seems from things to have taken it its hue so that when he had said of the sons of Jonadab he added of them that were first led captive. Not that the sons of Jonadab were led captive, but because to them that were to be led captive, they were opposed the sons of Jonadab, because they were obedient to their father, in order that they might understand that they had been made captive because they were not obedient to God. So, St. Augustine explains again and says, Jeremiah blamed the people and rebuked the people for disobedience to God. So, he told them, because of your disobedience to God, you will be taken captive. Now, we can understand the title when he said, of the sons of Jonadab and of the first captives of the sons of Jonadab, because they were obedient to their parents but the children of Israel were disobedient to God that's why the children of Israel were taken as captives to Babylon and this psalm speaks also about the captivity of the children of God as we're going to read together therefore when we read in the title of the first captives was a prophecy about the captivity on God's people suffering. So this song is voiced from the perspective of an individual in a later stage of life, while he was aging, capable of reflecting of all stages of his life. He puts his trust in God and seeks from God to remember him in his old age as he took care of him all the days of his life. Although old age did not spare him adversaries to afflict him, so David even in his old age was attacked by his enemies, yet it did not weaken his worship and his trust in God, his Savior. So David in his old age, he was attacked by his enemies, but his faith remained strong, and his trust continued to be strong in the Lord. Verse 21 suggests that the author of the psalm could have been a leader. As we read in verse 21, You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. That's why the assumption here, it was written by a leader or by a king. That's why the commentator said, it's written by David. This psalm is also Saint Jerome and others interpreted as a prophecy concerning the suffering and resurrection of the Messiah. Because this psalm speak about suffering of the author and David is uh, a type of Christ. So Saint Jerome and others said, this psalm is a prophecy about the suffering and the resurrection of Christ. Also, this psalm has many references to other psalms. For example, verse 1 to 3 is quoted almost exactly from Psalm 31. The thoughts of verse 5 seem to be suggested by Psalm 22 from verse 9 to 11. Don't be far from me and verse 12 echo Psalm 22 verse 11. Verse thirteen is similar to Psalm thirty-five twenty-six. Verse thirteen and eighteen carry the salt of Psalm twenty-two twenty-two and twenty-two from verse 30 to thirty-one. This psalm is twenty-four verses. From verse one to five, trusting the Lord who delivers His people. Six to nine, describing God's kindness from youth to old age. From verse 10 to 13, the psalmist pleads against his enemies. 14 to 16, the psalmist rejoices in hope. 17 to 18, he returns to prayer again. 19 to 21, revived by the God who does great things. 22 to 24, praises and thanksgiving. Today actually we'll take on behalf of the psalm verse 13 we'll stop at verse 13 so let's start from verse 1 in you O Lord I put my trust let me never be put to shame many Psalms begin with the description of the Psalmist in need but in this Psalm, David started the Psalm by openly declaring that He has put his hope and trust in the Lord God. And the psalmist was so confident that such trust in the Lord would lead to vindication and that he would never be put to shame. David mindful of God's promises to those who put their trust in him and not presuming on his own strength, exclaims, in you, O Lord, in you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. He did not rely upon his own ability, but trusted in God's sovereignty. David is asking God not to let him down, and not to let him be put to shame by the outsiders Because he trusted in God The believer has no reason To be ashamed of anything in this life Except sin and the imperfection Of his own righteousness This is what makes a believer ashamed Verse 2 Deliver me in your righteousness And cause me to escape Incline your ear to me and save me because the son was trusted in God he boldly asked God to act righteously on his behalf and to deliver him, deliver me in your righteousness he asked that the righteousness of God work on his behalf he's, as if he is telling God I fly to you in my present trouble and ask you to deliver and to rescue me from the hands of my persecutors. In your righteousness, with that justice that prompts you to punish the wicked and free the innocent, I am relying on your righteousness. When the sinner utters this prayer, He is beseeching God to deliver him by the Lord Jesus Christ whom he has made judge of all the world. So we as sinners when we pray this psalm and we say in your righteousness deliver me, in your righteousness means in Jesus the righteous judge, through Jesus the righteous judge, deliver me from Satan, deliver me from sin deliver me from death deliver me in your righteousness because Jesus is the justice of God, the king who reigns in righteousness and executes judgment and justice in the earth so in your righteousness refer to the Lord Jesus Christ being just he would never forsake those who have put all their trust and confidence in Him So, David's claim on God's justice is based on what? Based on his trust in his promise, as he said in verse 1 And God actually, because he made a promise these promises obligate himself to fulfill that he may be justified in his sayings and David actually In order to plead with God more and more He repeats the prayer saying Incline your ear to me and save me As if He is saying Hear my humble voice Save me in the present danger And cause me to escape The danger seems to be pressing And present such as of his son, Absalom. So he's telling him, cause me to escape, incline your ear. Some scholars applied this verse to Jesus Christ, who also humbled himself and bent down by taking upon himself our form and became subject to the cross for our sake. Verse three be my strong refuge, to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress." So David now explains more clearly what he wants from God. He wants God to protect him like a city strongly fortified, and incapable of being penetrated by the enemy. That's why he used these three words to describe what he is expecting from God. Deliver me, find me a place to escape, and save me. David wants the Lord to continue to be the rock of David, and come to his deliverance, to his rescue, and to his salvation. He proclaims that his experience with God in all his life that God is his rock and his fortress. So this call and confidence is based upon God's righteousness and his promises. So we can assume from these words that David is being unjustly treated and he wanted God to bring justice through judgment upon his enemies. That's why after he said, be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Then in verse 4 he said, deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man." So, this is very appropriately said when David was driven out of his palace and house and Jerusalem by his son Absalom. Saint John Christop comment on this kind of prayer and saying, "Prayer should be the means by which I, at all time." Receive all that I need. So St. John Chrysostom said, how you receive what you need? Through prayer. That's why you should pray all the time. For this reason, be my daily refuge, he's saying to God, be my daily refuge, my daily consolation, my daily joy, my source of rich, and an joy in life. David asked God to be his rock To be his refuge To which I may resort continually In times of danger and distress for safety Because as we read in Proverbs chapter 8 verse 10 The name of the Lord is a strong tower The righteous run to it and are safe So here we see a weak man, David But he is in a strong dwelling God, his refuge. So his security rests upon the tower in which he hides, although he is a weak man. And the source of David's misery is revealed in verse 4, the wicked man, the unrighteous and cruel man who seemed to have the psalmist under his control. From this David needed God to deliver him It was characteristic of David To single out from his enemies One individual person From whom he specially Asked him to be delivered This person Could be Saul Or Absalom Or Achitophel. In this Psalm, he may mean His son Absalom Who rebelled against him but also, there are many wicked men who joined Absalom against David like Ahithophel and their servants for this psalm altogether corresponds to Psalm 31 which by general consent talk about Absalom's persecution to his father David So, looking at this passage in a spiritual sense, verse 4 Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. So in a spiritual sense, the wicked may mean the devil to the sinner. The psalmist proclaimed his hope and trust in the Lord God, the Master and the Covenant God of Israel. It wasn't just that his hope was in God, But God himself was his hope, as he said in verse 5, For you are my hope. Not only I hope in you, you are my hope. O Lord God, you are my trust from my youth. So David had always trusted in God and had always found God a helper. So God's righteousness is the basis for David's confidence a confidence he has had from his youth in the Lord. So all that he was and all that he possessed he owed to God and he felt now that God had been his protector from his earliest year. Verse 6 By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb, my praise shall be continually of you. So God's care for David does not only go back to his youth as he mentioned in verse 5, but goes even back to the beginning of his life out of my mother's womb. God had sustained David from his earliest years, and since he had shown his power in keeping him and manifested his care for him, this was the ground to pray that God would keep him still and that he would guard him as old age came on. So David said to God, as you cared for me from my infancy. Through childhood, through my youth, I trust that you will care for me in my old age. Seeing God's care and help to him from the earliest age, the psalmist appealed to God's continued care, and in turn, he promised to praise to God that was just as continual. My praise shall be continually of you, because you took care of me all the days of my life. That's why my praise should be continually of you. God knows us even before we know anything. My praise shall be continually of you. Because where goodness has been continually received, praise should constantly be offered. Some fathers relate verse six to infant baptism, right? In which he said, he who took me out of my mother's womb. How related to baptism? So the words in verse six speak about my mother, the church who bear us to God in the sacrament and baptism. So took me from my mother's womb, took me from the water of baptism. So that's why he said verse six has a reference to infant baptism. St. John Chrysostom has many sayings addressing teaching the children about God's wisdom. Many writing and instructed the parent to teach their children about the wisdom of God since early age. He says, for example, let everything take second place to our care of our children. So, our children, number one, anything else should be number two. Our bringing them up to the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If from the beginning we teach them to love true wisdom, they will have great wealth and glory than riches can provide. Verse 7, I have become as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. Why he said, I have become as wonder to many? Because of the many adversities and attacks, many people were amazed at the psalmist. Many of those who saw his suffering regarded him as a typical example of the divine chastisement. But his faith has remained unshaken throughout. David's life was a sign and a marvel to many people due to his ability to praise God continually and to trust in God continually as a refuge even though he is in the hand of the wicked. All his life he was attacked. Saul attacked him. And after Saul died, his children, his son Epsilon attacked him. So, the people were in wonder that a man like David, one so committed to God, could be so afflicted. And despite of all of this, David found a strong refuge in God himself. So, this wonder might be either from the number of the tribulation which had come upon him. So, people wonder when I have become wonder, because of the number of tribulation, or from the narrow escapes which he had had from death. Many times he was so close to death, but God rescued him. Or from the frequency of the divine intervention on his behalf, or from the abundant mercies which had been manifested toward him. That's why he became a wonder. So the connection makes it probable that he refers to the unusual number of affliction which he faced. David faced many affliction no one else faced, and the frequency of the divine intervention on his behalf when there was no other refuge and no other hope. So one aspect he went through many affliction, but the other aspect, God delivered him. St. Augustine take a spiritual view of this verse, and he said, he who despises the things of this world, patiently submit to injury, to suffering, and thus goes in a contrary direction to that of mankind, may be called a wonder and a prodigy. So sometimes when we choose, to follow Christ and to carry our cross and to suffer for Christ we become wonder to the people. People don't understand this. Such was John the Baptist, Christ himself, Peter, Paul, other apostles. The, such all were all the martyrs and confessors and others who were looked upon by the wise people of the world as fools. Why they suffer all this pain, yet could truly say, I have become as a wonder to many. So everyone and anyone has the ability to become a wonder and a sign to many through his trust in God. Especially when suffering and to amaze people in his faith through life difficulties. So when we put our trust in God, especially during time of suffering and affliction, we become wonder and sign to other people. But David is redirecting his attention from himself and the enemy to God. So he redirected his attention from the enemies around him to God, his strong refuge. That's why he said, but you are my strong refuge. And because God had been so faithful as a strong refuge, the psalmist also determined to speak praise unto God and to speak of his glory. As he said in verse 8, since you are my deliverer, my refuge, let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. This shows that his heart was affected with the goodness of God to him, and that he had deep impression and sense of the goodness of God. As the Lord said, out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. David knew his faithfulness of God, through his younger years, and now he is asking God to continue that faithfulness in his old old age as his strength fails. He said in verse 9, don't cast me off in the time of old age. You took care of me since my infancy. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. He knew that man's strength diminishes with old age, but God's strength does not diminish. The Lord never cast off nor cast away his people, for they are near to him, one with him. The Lord had been the guide of David's youth, and now David's desires that God would be the staff of his old age at which age he was when Absalom rebelled against him. So when Absalom rebelled against his father, David was already an old man. And some question, in what sense Christ, who never knew all the age of body, can use this word of himself? If we say Christ, this son is a prophecy about Christ. So can Christ say, do not cast me off in the time of old age? We not that Christ ascended to heaven in the age of 33. So how can we apply these verses to Christ? Some scholars take it either of the physical and mental exhaustion of the passion, like in its wasting effect to old age. So said the Lord Jesus Christ, when he went through the physical suffering and the mental anguish, during crucifixion as if his strength fails as an old man. But with a deeper meaning, old age means he is crucifying our old man in his own person, because he took our humanity and the old man was put to death. Do not forsake me when my strength fails and appeal to the divine compassion. And this also is a cry of each member of the church of God. So we ought to pray that God will hear us and will give us, even in extreme age, to give us strength, to say with the martyr Saint Polycarpus eighty and sixty years have I served him, and he never did me wrong. How then? can I blaspheme my king and my savior? So as God actually was with St. Polycarpus for 86 years, he can be also with each one of us. Verse 10, for my enemies speak against me, and those who lie in wait for my life, take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him, Pursue and take him for there is none to deliver him so his enemies start to conspire saying God has forsaken him so now it's our opportunity to arrest him because no one to deliver him the psalmist's weakness encourages his enemies to make their attacks so they begin by speaking against him David had many enemies, like Achitophel and others, who spoke against him to the people, and thereby were able to draw many with them into rebellion against David. Particularly Sham'i, son of Gera, spoke against him and cursed him, calling David a bloody man, a man of Bala'ah. Even in David's old age, time of suffering still came, and enemies still pressed against him. So the attacks of the enemy is with their tongue, they conspired against him. They claimed that God had forsaken him, and therefore they could arise and punish him and treat him as an outcast from God. The psalmist knew what his adversaries said against him he knew they claimed that God has forsaken him and there is none to deliver him his adversity made them think that God was no longer with David so it was a good time to attack David and to pursue and take him they believed that God has forsaken him, that's why, pursue and take him. This is the first advice that Ahitophel gave, which however had no effect because God did not allow it to happen. But that is the counsel of Ahitophel, you can read it in 2 Samuel chapter 17. Notice that David's suffering is viewed in two ways. The enemies, when they saw David suffer, actually they said, God has forsaken him. But David himself, when he suffered, actually he considered himself as a wonder, as a sign. People look at him and they are amazed how in spite of all this suffering, his faith continued in God. His faith and trust in God continues despite of the triumphs. This can also be applied to the passion of Christ and the counsel of the Pharisees who gathered together after the miracle of raising Lazarus conspiring against the Lord Jesus Christ. Also, this verse can be about the mocking that the Lord Jesus Christ suffered on the cross. He cried, my God, and oh my God, why have you forsaken me? Then the people at the cross said, he trusted in God, let him deliver him, now if he will have him. The same word they said about David, God has forsaken him, pursue and take him for there is none to deliver him. So good men like David may seem to others to be forsaken by God when they go through a difficult time and they themselves may sometimes think that they are forsaken by God. They may be forsaken for a short time when God withdraws His grace and does not come immediately for help but God always, always come back and rescue the person when he does this he does it according to his will for the best interest of the person verse 12 oh God do not be far from me oh God make haste to help me so with determined enemies to hurt him David needs God's help very soon so he felt as if if God delayed his help is nothing while they were taking measures against David he had turned it to, to God for protection who without any trouble could weaken and ruin them all as he really did with Absalom and Achitophel. So David said, make haste, O Lord, don't delay, because delayed help is no help to David. He said, O God, do not be far from me. And they boast about God being away from him. God has forsaken him. So he's saying, rather make haste to, help, to my help to save me from them. This was the help the psalmist asked it for in verse 13. Let them be confounded and consumed, who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor, who seek my hurt. So David wanted his enemies to, to be con- confounded, consumed, covered with reproach and dishonor. He wanted God to strike his adversaries with confusion and weakness, with disapproval and dishonor. He not only wanted them defeated, but humiliated also. By God hastening to hell, let Absalom's counselors be confounded and their plots fail, disappear and vanish. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor, a repetition. Of what he said before adversaries of my life they hated David as the devil hates us the godly men of God so all wicked men are like Satan full of enmity against God and against all good men and such were David's enemies that's why he said let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. Let them covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my help. This actually concludes our Bible study tonight. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.